pace. We're going to knock out another chapter here uh, this morning. And um, for those of you who are new or aren't here very often, this church, uh, the church of Corinth was a mess, um, much like ours. There was really, really good things happening, but there was also some really bad things that had kind of taken root. Um, a lot of sin and uh, lacks kind of uh, living, um, living in freedom that's not really freedom but bondage. Um, and so Paul's addressing this church again that he'd spent over a year and a half with. He knew them well. They knew him well. They had some authority issues. They had some uh, cultural influences that were making them think differently than they should. And right now, we're actually in the midst of Paul answering some questions that they had for him. that come back to him, and now he's responding to them. So um, we'll kind of continue with that here. But there's some really cool nuggets in this chapter here this morning. So um, the whole kind of theme here is run to win. Uh, the idea is to cut off the chains and the snares and everything that would hold us back from following Jesus wholeheartedly so that we can run to win. Anything that would hold you back is going to keep you from winning the race and running your best race. So cutting all of that stuff off, getting rid of all of it, seeing it for what it is, having your mind changed about what holiness and, and what sin are, understanding them in the proper context, and then saying, yeah, I just want to run well. So um, let's pray. We'll get started. Thank you, Lord, so much for uh, this morning and just uh, being gathered here together, each and every person here. And we pray that you would speak to us from your word, that we would uh, hear from you, that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. Um, you just anoint this time, God, that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that be willing to be changed if necessary, where necessary, that we, we would take the uh, conviction and, and grow where we need to grow. And uh, we just thank you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, now, verse 1. Now, concerning things offered to idols... We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Again, Paul addressing actual issues going on in their culture. Things offered to idols. This is something we don't necessarily have a lot of context for today, right? You're like, was this offered to an idol? Like when you go to In-N-Out, you know that one wasn't, right? That was a holy one. This is a holy hamburger. Didn't you see it on the wrapper, you know? Uh, or Chick-fil-A, these are blessed, you know, like this is all blessed. But if you go to somewhere else, I don't know where, some, some other place that is not so good. You say, was this meat offered to an idol? And they're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> is it meat? Maybe. Anyway, um, but we, uh, is this meat offered to an idol? This was an issue. Things offered to idols. The context here is that these pagans would come bring in their offering to a God and the priests would take it and they'd put it into three portions. One portion would be burned as the offering. Another portion would go back to the worshiper who had bring brought the offering. And then another part would go to the priests. And basically as the priests would do multiple offerings, he'd end up with a, like a surplus of meat. Right. And so what would they do? They'd sell it for a discounted rate. Okay. Right. So it's like it not only is it a place of worship, but it is a uh, food court. Right. And they even had restaurants. Right. It's like Costco, you know, like, why is the food so cheap? Go inside. You can see it's this is this is how that we do this, you know. 
And so they had food courts or whatever, and they would sell this meat, and it was at, a, again, a discounted rate. And it was a real sticking point for people. And honestly, you could see why, right? Because you think about the, their life, and especially those who had been involved in that kind of worship, they just wanted absolutely nothing to do with any of that stuff. They were burned by this stuff, and it drove them crazy. And so there was, there was a schism. There was others who thought, eh, this means nothing. It's just meat, no, this doesn't mean anything. There's no like weird hex or anything that's put on. It's just meat. Just eat it, you know. But there was a schism and, a, and an issue of division amongst the people, which we see is, is always the deal in Corinth. It's always the deal. Mankind throughout all eternity, there's people with two different views. And if you let that thing become the thing, it will be a problem. So they, this was one of them, right? Remember, there was also the issue of, of sexuality, marriage. Should you even have sex if you're married? Oh my gosh, it's so weird. Or should you even like, or yeah, no, never mind. Don't worry. You can do whatever you want. We're all free in Christ. Well, Paul's like saying, okay, well here, let me get to the real issue here. Cause before you get to, if it's okay to do idols and stuff and to start doing this whole symptomatic kind of approach to it, let's get down to like what this is all really about. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You've heard this before, right? Knowledge puffs up. Usually if someone knows more than you, you go, well, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, you know. You don't usually remember the love edifies part. They just say, knowledge puffs up, man, you know. And you're like, oh, okay. It doesn't mean you should know nothing, you know, like you can, anyway. I didn't want to learn anything because I was afraid that the knowledge would puff up. We're going to see there's some. That's not what it's about, not knowing anything. But, the, but Paul's going to bring this up because it really does apply. And the idea of knowledge is those who are so secure in their standing and, and feeling like they're superior and, and that they don't have to worry about people because they've got it all figured out, right? I've got it all. I don't have to worry about you. You're just uh, weak, and so just be weak. But I, that's not going to affect me because I'm so great in all my knowledge. I know. I know you don't know, but I know. But the idea of knowledge puffing up and love edifying, edifying is building up. So, like, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. You know, they both grow, right? But it's a different kind of growth. Like, say you hurt yourself really bad or you get hit by a softball on your calf, you know, and it just swells up real big. And you go, dude, my calf looks pretty good right now. It's all, it looks I'm looking maxed out right now, you know, like what's up with that? And you're ready to start selling your secret, you know, and write a book. And all you got to do is take a softball to the shin every week and, or I mean on the calf every week. And you're going to see some serious gains, man. You know, that's, and it gets bigger, right? And you go, Whoa, see, that's cool. Now, what about the person who's sitting there and doing, you know, the extension, calf extensions, getting that calf built up. Same thing. It is getting bigger, but there's a big difference between what that size represents. One is inflammation is actually harmful, not good, right? You're going to have to go on the rice, man. You're going to have to rest ice compression elevation, that thing, right? Look at the size of this knee, man. I blew it out. Yeah, that's right. Check it out, ladies. You see that knee, you know, the AC, that's an ACL and an MCL. Read them and weep boys, you know? But love builds up. There's a different kind of process altogether. And the gains of being built up are huge. It's a lot more work though, right? You can swell up fast. But being built up, nah, that takes a while. You know? 
you order a P90X DVD, you're like, well, this isn't going to take long before I have a six pack, you know, like you start doing the exercises and you're like, this is not what I thought it would be. And then two days in, you're so sore and you're like, where are the results? You know, I don't get it. And then somebody says, you got to wait like six weeks before you really start seeing any differences in your body. And you're like, six weeks. You know how much time I'd have to invest in it? Exactly. It takes something out of you. Whereas, you know, something just getting swollen, it's like that's a one time, it happens instantaneously, right? Love edifies, knowledge puffs up. There's a big difference there. One's actually a sign of problems, the other is a sign of growth, right? If knowledge starts taking out love, the way you approach people and situations, then you will be off no matter what. It'll be a problem. But if you grow in love, the knowledge comes and it's all found in its right place. Verse 2, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Remember, Paul's dealing with some very arrogant believers in Corinth. They were, they were very gifted but they were like rogue and they thought they, they didn't remember. There was the whole issues of I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Jesus. You know, we're no, my little sect is actually knows a little more than yours. Well, mine knows a little more than yours. Well, mine is Jesus. So, you know, we're the best. That was kind of the thing going on at that time. Even Aristotle sees this basic principle. He says, the more you know, the more you know, you don't know, right? Isn't that true? Like when you're like a teenager, if you're a teenager, sorry, I'm not meaning this against you, but I remember thinking I did really know everything. And I probably did, you know, and slowly over time, I've, I've somehow learned that I know less and less. No, the idea is even of the greatest minds is the further that they get in, the broader everything gets. Life is simple when you're thinking simple, but you know, if the deeper you get in, the more you go, Oh my, I know nothing. This is so much bigger than I would have ever imagined. I had no clue. This is, this isn't, you know, gnarly. So the idea is that it really of, of the knowledge here is that it's arrogance when, and where arrogance is present, there's a lack of love because what is arrogance? Basically it means I'm better than you. So I don't have to love you. I can pity you a little. Here's my pity, you know. Thank you for coming. I'll give you a little bit of pity. Okay, I'm done. See ya, you know. I don't have time for this because I know more than... Okay, anyway. So where there's arrogance, there's definitely a lack of love. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Knowledge will never negate our love for God. No, you know, you love God, I'll know him. If you know him, you love him. It's an experiential thing. And we can't just, it can't be just a cerebral exercise. I have all this memorized. I know Greek. I know Hebrew. I got it all down. It can't just be like that. It's, our knowledge is it's, it's exposed uh, as incomplete by our lack of love. That'll show right there. You do not know what you think you know. If you don't have love, you do not know what you think you know. You have not arrived like you think you've arrived. It's, it's, it's the Pharisees loved knowledge, right? That was like their thing. It was legalistic. Like they had it all worked out in their mind so that they could be superior to those around them, but they did not have love at all. That's not the way that they lived. It was about their knowledge, their understanding, them being better than you, but they had no love. 
We are called to love even with our mind, right? Love God with our heart, soul, mind, strength, all of it. As we, we love him. Verse 4, it says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there, there is no other God but one. I love this statement here. Because Paul's saying, idols mean nothing. Because sometimes we give like way more power to things than we should, right? He's like, just concerning those eating those things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. It's nothing. Really, an idol is a figment of man's imagination. This is just something you think. You think you're offering it to Zeus, but there is no Zeus. So it doesn't matter what you offer it to. It, does, it means nothing. Like you're offering it, to, I, I'm offering this sacrifice to my imaginary friend, Hank. And you go, okay, I'll eat that. Because Hank doesn't sound like an opposing God name, right? It's just Hank, you know? Like that sounds like an imaginary friend name, you know? He's been with me. He's actually here right now. Hey, Hank, you know, you know, can I, would you like some of this meat? It was Hank's, but can you have it? You can have it, sure. He is not very hungry. He never is. But that's just kind of the idea. It's a figment of man's imagination, but it's a really powerful statement. Idols mean nothing physically. Like, they just don't mean anything. They hold no power except for what we give to them. That's, that's interesting. That's actually true for a lot of living in this world. We, only, we give power to things that we don't need to give to, right? And, and even, he's going to talk about, like, gods, and it's in the next verse. Gods and lords, and, and you know, those are... Things that we've made gods and lords. Even Satan, right, is what? He's the the god of this age. But that's because people obey him as the god of this age. They they have fallen under that and and aligned themselves with that and been cool with that. All right, I'll let you be god or lords to lord over me. The idea of, of lord is what? Jesus is our savior and our lord. We submit ourselves to him because of who he is. Right? And then you say, okay, it's not my way, it's your way. But if we do that to other things, we make them into lowercase g gods, but they're really not. Get it? Okay, anyway. So Paul's basically saying, like, you don't have to be afraid of them. Like, that's not something you have to worry about. It's like, they're nothing. They mean nothing. There's one God. Nothing else compares. There's nothing else like him. Verse 5, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, uh, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all, all are all things, and through whom we live. We are created to serve the one living God. He's our life, both now and forever. He is who we serve. Nothing else. Don't worry about anything else. And it really gets simple when you start to realize that. Like, sin doesn't have power over me except for the, when I give it power, right? When I allow that power, right? Because we're free in Jesus. Obviously, we're still in a world that is very much, you know, we're, we're uh, inundated with it. And we're not going to be perfect this side of eternity, but we give a lot of power where we don't need to, right? We are not under these these chains. They they don't belong on us. We don't need it. We choose it. So, it's interesting because you think, a lot of times you think, oh man, I'm not, 
you know, I'm, I'm stuck. Well, that's just the world we live in. Well, that's just this, this and that. But really, like, if you think about it, you're not owned by any of those things. People, things, whatever. We're created to serve him. Verse 7, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol. For their conscience being weak is defiled. Now, it is saying their conscience being weak because they can't handle it. It's not something they can handle. But they really can't handle it. Like, it's not like they're just trying to be legalistic about it. It really, really bothers them. And we have these things in our life. And you can have these. We went all the way through this in Romans. Convictions. Things you know you should not be a part of. Things you know you're not supposed to be there. And you can see in Scripture that there might be like a gray area. Yeah, sure. I guess. It's not like a salvation issue. It's not like that big of a deal. But I know for sure I'm not supposed to be there. And you know when you step across those lines, bad things happen. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with, with doing this or doing that, but it can end up a very bad situation fast when you've violated that conscience. So you don't want to tell people or have someone tell you or talk you out of that conviction that's in your heart. That's like an important thing, right? Because it's easy for someone who's free in something to say, no, it's no big deal. And I've seen this happen. Oh, yeah, no, I wasn't really doing this. I wasn't really a part of this. And then somebody said to me, yeah, why, why are you being so legalistic? And I don't want to be a legalist, man. I just, I want to be free. And then I started down this road and now I'm here and I didn't, I didn't want to end up here. Really, that's a major issue from the person who's trying to force someone into going against their conscience. This is a problem. Because you have to figure out, you know what, this is not that important. And this is why Paul started with, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Love builds up. Love doesn't tear down, it builds up. My knowledge or my freedom or anything like that means nothing compared to you doing well. I want to see you do well. So I'm not going to throw something in front of you that can make you trip, right? So if you're on a relay team, you're not like going to like, Drop the baton on purpose. That's like not going to help your team, right? Or trip them, you know? You like pass it off and then you swipe their leg as they're going. See ya! (laughs) See, I ran a faster lap than you. You're like, yeah, but dummy, we lost. This is a team race. Did you not get that? Was that not? Yeah, but it was faster, huh? Okay, yeah, I guess you were faster. You're the worst teammate ever. I don't care how fast you are. You're not on our team. And then we see that actually in sports there have you ever seen these insanely talented people that no one wants to pick up because of the way they live their life. Isn't that crazy? Like they, you, they can't stay in the league cause they can't keep their minds straight. They can't keep themselves in, you know, fall in line with the team because it's all about them, not about others. I want a teammate working together, helping each other, loving each other. So, yeah, there you go. So he says it's, they're, they're weak, but their conscience is weak, but they're being defiled because they've gone against that conscience. You don't want that. Some, some can't see past what it represents, and to them it's sin. Like, that's a problem for them. So they should not eat it because it leads to more problems, you know? I remember uh, 
was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, and um, and we were we were talking about um, this might be foreign concept to most, but we're this is a hardcore scene conversation, and we're talking about straight edge and veganism, and these are two things that are a big deal, okay? And he was both straight edge and vegan, and the other person was vegan, and and then I was straight edge, and so we were talking, and we he, we're saying like, what do you think's worse to sell out veganism or straight edge, whatever? You know, that was like our mindset. What do you think's worse? What's the worst step? And, um, and the person who was vegan said, obviously, veganism because of animals and because of all this and that. I said strange because, obviously, you know, I don't, I don't see any point to drink, you know, drinking and smoking and all that stuff and drugs, whatever. I don't see the point. I don't want anything to do with it. And what about you? What do you think, Eric? And he says, either one. He says, because once I've noticed once someone starts shutting off their conscience about something, it is a slow it's just one step after another till they end up going down. No, you don't have to be one of these things. But the idea is that there was a reason that you became that way. And a lot of times people who would were straight edge were people who had gotten real burned by alcohol. They wanted nothing to do with it. That was like a big deal, right? And they maybe couldn't handle it and, or people around them couldn't handle it. And they just were like, I want nothing to do with this. Then a lot of times people who are vegans. They had this, um, it was this huge compassion thing for them. And it was like it really meant something, you know, because they really cared about something. And he says, when people stop caring about stuff, it all goes out the window. And it was, it was very true. Very often you go, well, you know what? You don't really need to be either one. That's accurate. You don't need to be either one. But you do need to follow your conviction and just not run off and be like, oh, well, neither one's really important, so... I, I'm just going to force myself into doing this thing. And so I'm not, you know, so I'm as free as I can possibly be. That will not result in freedom because it's not where you belong. So it's just being sensitive to that conscience. Remember Romans spoke on that saying like, if somebody else has a, doesn't have a conviction about something, but you do don't think that you can just follow in line with their conviction or lack thereof and think it's going to be good for you. Stick to what you know and what God's doing in you and how he's doing it. And that's okay. Even if you have to be called weak. It's better to be weak than defiled, right? Fully. (laughs) So verse 10. But food does not condemn us or commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the better. Yeah, let's get it all in focus. If you eat, you're not better. If you don't eat, you're not better. <laughs> there you go. Who's more holy? Neither. Like, what? both. Whatever. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Like, this isn't, doesn't mean anything. You guys like to nitpick about the littlest things. Why? But beware. This is the main thing. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Beware. Paul's going to use some very intense language here. He's like, you better be awake as to what's going on around you. It's not just about you. And it's not even just about them. It's not just about you and them. Oh, yeah, well, whatever. I kind of offended him. Or, oh, I kind of like, you know, I opened his mind to some new thinking. I think that this was productive, you know. Look at the word he uses, too, stumbling block. You don't want to become a stumbling block to those around you. 
You remember when you were a kid and somebody would like come up behind you and like lay down, you know, they like go into like a little crouch position and the other person would just push them and you go, Oh man, this is like, you just want to swing, huh? Like, you're like, what are you doing, man? If you, unless you're your good friend and you like it and you did it to them, which is probably how that happens. But a stumbling block, like it stops you from going and it, it's, it's the whole point is to make you fall. It's to make you crash and burn. I think sometimes your kids are stumbling blocks. Like when you're walking, they like do this like whole like figure eight right in front of you. And they're like, all of a sudden they'll be sweeping in front. And I like, for a long time, Violet's like skinny as a rail. So I just can't, like, you can't even see her. She just all of a sudden just appears and she's right there. She's like right in front of my leg. I'm like, Violet, what do you, you can't, where is she? Oh, there's, okay, there she is, you know, hiding behind a twig. Um, but you don't want to become that. Verse 10, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? You understand, you exercising your freedom can become a major issue to your brother in, 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 or sister in Christ. You might be emboldening them to do something they should not do. You might be thinking, oh, I didn't know we could do that. I just thought that was like a bad part of my life. Well, let's, let's bring that back in, you know? Let the good times roll, you know? Like, let's do it, you know? Like, let's have a church meeting here in the, uh, at the food court here at the pagan, you know, temple, you know, let's get it down. Let's get down. I'm hungry, but it would be an, an issue to them. So he's like, be careful. If anyone sees you, you, you who have knowledge, remember, he keeps saying that you who have it all figured out. Think about this. It can open up a whole new door and a whole new can of worms. And he's verse 11. And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Okay. Okay, Paul. <laughs> Look at what he just laid it out like heavy right here. Your knowledge can hinder the work of Christ. And he says, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? The one that Jesus thought was worth dying for. Do you think you can hold off on stumbling for a second? Like that's, I, he's meaning to say it that rough too. Paul's like hardcore, right? He don't mess around. He's like, I don't want you to feel comfortable with this at all. Like, we would all kind of be like, oh, guys, it's just maybe not a good idea. And Paul's like, oh, you know Jesus, how he like died for that person? Do you think it's a good idea to mess with them? You know, he died for them. All those sins, all of it, he died for it. Why would you want to do that to them? And, and he says, shall the weak brother perish? Like it can take people out. And this really is, is the deal when we're not operating in love and we're operating in selfishness and even, and freedom can definitely manifest in selfishness, right? I'm free to do whatever I want. Yes. You've made that clear, but do you care about people? Do you love people? If you don't love them, then it's going to manifest itself in a, in a big old mess. Selfishness. You don't care about them. You care about you. This is the lack of love. That's why Paul said at the very beginning, it's about building up, not about puffing up. So everyone can see how great you are. Look at me. I'm so smart. But look around you. What's around you? Is it a barren wasteland? Or are there all these people that you've been lifting and building and, and helping them to grow? 
That's, that's what you want to have around you, right? I was thinking like ministry and, and, and people and life is like a mess, man. Cause we're all a mess. All you like all of you. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm like that. We're all like that. Like it's, it is such a mess. Like there's no book that perfectly explains how to deal with every single person. Every single person's like very weird and quirky, you know, including you, you don't know it, but you probably are like much quirkier than you think you are. You, you probably think weird things like much weirder than yeah. Anyway, you think things are normal. They're not normal. Okay. You're not as normal as you think. What is normal anyway? Okay. Let's not go there. But the idea is like, it's a mess. People are messy, but the idea, if you don't love them, you're never going to get anywhere. Because you're going to find something to disagree with. But love covers that stuff. Verse 12. But when uh, you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So he's like, in case you didn't get it in the last verse, let's make it perfectly clear. You are not just sinning against your brother. You're sinning against Christ. So you and your knowledge is not freedom if you're doing this. This is not the point. You missed out. And man, wouldn't we be a lot more effective as a whole if we operated in love? Like just, if you just dealt with each other in love, you know, like I'll have to say some hard things. Or are you going to say them in love? Well, it doesn't matter. I just got to get the truth out. You're like, that's not going to go well. The fact of the matter is, if you love someone, you will tell them the truth, right? You, you need to say, sometimes you've got to say hard things to people. And that's not fun at all, right? I mean, unless you love conflict. And if you love conflict, then go back a few, just start over from the beginning. Conflict is not really something we should like love. We should love building each other up. Because usually there's an idea of like conflict. If you love conflict, you kind of love just kind of battling with people. <laughs> but if you love people, you're going to have to say hard things to them sometimes, but you're always going to do it in the most loving way possible to build them up, not just to s- blow them over and smash them down and just keep on going. Yeah, okay, whatever. You're wrong, just so you know. Onward and upward. I'm not going to let you tear me down. Now, it's important also to note that, that Paul's not really catering to legalism. This isn't legalism. This is conscience. There's a big difference between conscience and legalism. Where, you know, they're like, well, we wish, you know, what? you've really offended my conscience because I think we should still be doing, you know, uh, sacrifices in the temple, Paul. My conscience has been offended. He's like, no, Jesus died for that. That's not, that's not what this is about. This is about more gray area issues, dealing with that on a conscience level and being submissive. I I love, I think the gray areas are just such a glimpse of like, just life. There's so many things that you, you got to just navigate slowly where you're like, okay, I got some tough stuff coming up. Okay, what does the Bible say about, you know, how to deal with this issue? It's like, okay, it doesn't say anything specifically on how to deal with getting your registration in your car done when it's past due, you know, and you totally flaked on it for six months. Yeah, I didn't see that in there. Is that, was there a verse? Does, is it, God, show me a verse. And it's like, don't be lazy. No, that can't be it. Um, 
But there's a lot of like working things out in the hard, you know, dealing with where you're going to go and how you how you deal with people and minister, even though they offend you. And even though they think differently than you, how dare they, you know, it's a lot of life is that's where it's at. Learning to love people in the midst of all the other stuff. And really this is, this is Paul explains it very well right here. Verse 13. This is the mindset of those, the one who is not living with a puffed up knowledge, but a love that builds up. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. You know what Paul's saying? You're worth more than my freedom. <laughs> like my brother is worth more than my freedom. Like people are worth more than just like, you know, having, being able to say, oh, well, I'm so like mature. I can do this. If it causes a brother to stumble, it's got to go. It's not worth it. He says, I'll never eat meat again. I don't care. This, is there things like that in your life where you're like, yeah, I would, I would not do that again. I mean, literally, if it's like eat meat, you're like, oh, that's, that's hard. You know, like, you know, Paul, I think, really meant it. I mean, he was willing to die for, for Christ, so I think he could go on a vegetarian diet. Of course, that wasn't what was necessarily being asked of him. He's just saying, here's the principle. I'm, I don't care. I will get rid of it. Nothing means more to me than souls. People. It's not about stuff. It's not about just living life. It's people. That's what matters. If I don't care about people, nothing else, nothing else matters. What, what's the point? He even said that, like, Christ wasn't raised from the dead. We're like of all men to be most pitied, right? Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But we don't live like that because Jesus did raise from the de- rise from the dead. Because we do have an eternal hope. Because we do have a reason for living. Because we do have a mission here on earth. To be ministers of the good news of the gospel. To reach out to those who are hurting. To be those who would stand in the gap. And do you know what? Do you want to know what kind of a witness and a testimony it is to those around you? When, you, when they know that you gave something up for them? You're willing to lay aside something you love for them? You try and explain this to your kids all the time. We laid everything aside, Okay. For you. <laughs> and they're like, I didn't ask to be born. You're like, that's true. That is true. You know? No. You, that's, that's just it. You're like, I, I, some, you know what? Things got to go. Freedoms, whatever. It doesn't really matter. What matters is you. You matter. All the other stuff is nothing. That's why, uh, you know, we have our, our softball team. It's like, what's the point of that? It's because we live for more than just softball on Thursdays, Right? This is a part, this is a little cog, this is a little part of it, you know? Like, this is just having fun, going out, being a light, and, and you know what? It, the, it's not depression the next day, even though it was hard losing twice by one run. And knowing full well, there's a couple of plays, man, I should have. Oh, anyway, that's me, you know? Dan's got the new hot bat. Man, we're trying, let's try and hit this thing 450 feet in the air, you know? Pop fly, see ya. Okay. But that's not, that's not it. So it's like, I love these things. I love softball. I love it. But no, that's nothing. This is, it's a great servant 
terrible master. And that's true with all of this stuff. Like any f- freedom you can have, oh, it's great. It can serve you well if it's in, in its proper context. But it is a terrible master. And if you're not willing to give it up for someone else that you love, then it is your master. Because it's, telling, it's calling the shots. Is there anything you wouldn't give up for, a, for your brother in Christ, for Christ himself? Those are good questions. Because if there is anything, that is something you need to address before him today. If there's something in there that's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to follow God, but if he asks me to give this up, I'm out. That is the thing that you probably do need to give up. Because that is saying, that called, that's a little bit higher than God. Because he can't touch that one. See, this is the danger, right? We can't let anything become there. And so we just leave it all in. Keep on laying it down. Think about it. Love edifies. Love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. Lay it all down at his feet. Put it in its proper context. Paul wants to see this church do well. He loves this church, the church of Corinth. He wants to see them do well. He wants to see them grow. He wants to see them go beyond where they're at right now. And he's like, you guys are never going to get there by being just selfish little brats about stuff just because you know something. They all thought they were very smart. He's like, but you've missed the most important basic thing. Again, we say it over and over again. Hey, Jesus, real quick. I was just wondering, what's the most important commandment? He's like, oh, there's two, you know, actually there's two. Love God, love your neighbor. That's it. Everything else is kind of tied up in that, right? Love God, love your neighbor. If, you, if you're not there, if you're not started off there where you love God more than anything else, and then that love has infected you to love your neighbor more than anything else in this world, then we're, we're gonna never, you're never going to be fulfilled following Jesus. And you're never going to be able to get to see the things that you would see if you were willing to lay stuff down that is holding you back. Run to win. Chains, all of it, off. Don't let, hold on to something that's going to hold. That, don't keep something that's holding you back. Get rid of the backpack full of rocks. You're not going to win like that. It's funny. We did a camp one year in, in uh, it was like almost Oregon. We were whitewater rafting. And uh, we did this thing where we took the strongest kid. I've maybe mentioned this before at camp. And we said, all right, let's see. He's the fastest, strongest kid. And we gave him a backpack full of rocks. And we took the next fastest kid and said, okay, so kid with a backpack full of rocks, do the, let's do this, uh, you know, obstacle course. So they had to jump over and they had to go and twist around and run. You know what? This is why sometimes things don't work out. The kid with the rocks won. Even with the rocks, you know, it was pretty amazing, you know, feat of strength. But how much faster was he without them? The point was completely lost on the kids, and a lot of them fell away from Christ at that point. Um, But it's like, man, to to get rid of the ankle weights, right? You used to use ankle weights to get fast feet, you know. Get rid of the ankle weights, and you go, man, that actually feels pretty good. Kids playing playing little league have the, the bat, the heavy bat, and they're swinging it so that when they get up to bat, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, this bat's actually pretty light." You're like, "You see, that was that's a weighted one. You don't want that one. You can't hit with that one." Get rid of those things. Run to win. So 
This morning, I mean, all of us, we all need to just go before the Lord and say, is there any master or Lord that I've allowed to have and empower my life? That's not you, God. And if there is, do it to do business right now, lay it all down and then take action from that. This point, so like, man, there is nothing I could afford to put in anywhere close to that throne. Lay it all down at his feet this morning. Cause if he's revealing that to you, that means he wants to show that to you, which also means he wants to free you and freedom feels very, that's real freedom. Freedom to love one another, freedom to have just grace for one another, freedom to build one another up. That's what we were created for. That's what he's called us to. Every single one of us has called us to that mission. So let's pray and we're going to close in some worship. Lord, we thank you for uh, that just beautiful truth. Lord, that you love us and you free us from all kinds of chains. And that there's no God that can even stand before you. There's, there's no, these idols are nothing. These gods.